This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Turning canola oil and potato chips into robot muscles? I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Christoph Keplinger, Assistant Professor of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Colorado in Boulder and co-founder and Chief Science Officer at Artemis Robotics. Welcome, Dr. Keplinger. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Give us a brief summary of your resume and the areas of specialty that you, you focus on. Um, so actually, I'm from training a physicist, and then I, I did a postdoc in chemistry, and then tried to combine um, those two fields to contribute new things in the field of robotics. And in particular, in a new area of robotics called soft robotics, we were trying um, to use soft materials that are um, imitating bio-inspired mechanisms. And in particular, in soft robotics, I work on um, actuators, so the parts that make a robot move, and um, you'll be talking in more detail about it later. So you're working on creating artificial muscles for new generation of like lifelike robots, if you will. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with the actuators used on most robots today? Mm -hmm. I think what you can do is if you imagine a random robot, what usually comes to mind is a clunky piece of metal that's moving awkwardly. And um, if you compare that, what um, biological mechanisms can do, just like Look at the human body, uh, a person in sports and dance, the elegance of movement is just on a whole nother level. And um, what, one thing that soft robotics really tries to mimic is this agility and dexterity that biological mechanisms can, can have. And um, in contrast to traditional robots, they're made out of usually metal and rigid um, electric motors. And um, if you look at nature, what we have is muscles, so like a soft, continuous structure that contracts on external stimuli. In our case, when the neurons fire, then you're like, our muscle contracts. And thinking about um, such a new generation of robots, they would be uh, more adaptable to unpredictable challenges. They would be more safe to closely operate near human people because they're soft-bodied, and potentially they would also be more inexpensive and allow new uses of robots in home environments. What inspired you to try to solve this problem? Um, I do think that soft robotics has a lot of implications um, for the quality of life, a lot of potentials to improve the quality of life. So like I already mentioned, one area where soft robots could really help is that it enables um, close cooperation with robots, like interactive robotics and uh, co-robots that work um, closely near people in, in a company or factory hall. And then the second area is um, any sort of robot that you would wear on your body. So you can think about um, some sort of exosuits that you know, like would be powered by actuators and enhance um, your movements. They could even restore um, some of your um, bodily functions when you're aging. For example, think about you're 80 years old and um, your brain is still fine. Um, your body starts to degrade, um, but suddenly you could um, wear something like robotic pants or robotic jackets that um, makes you move again like you're younger. So you could really um, help such older people maintain autonomy for longer parts of their lives. And then maybe even in the longer term future, 
you can think about um, merging with robotic parts, that robotic parts would really replace some parts of our bodies. So first, I think it could be kind of working near people. Second, we could wear some soft robotic parts to enhance or restore human agility and dexterity. And in the long run, we could really think about it as um, um, biomimetic devices um, that are parts of our body. And um, in some sense, I, I like to call it maybe robotics for anti-aging, that we really try to improve our bodily functions at old age. How close are we to really seeing this in full implementation? I mean, do we have the base materials and the software needed, or are those elements still in development? Um, soft robotics is a very young field. So my research group and many collaborators around the world are really um, starting off this large effort. I think it, it, it started with something very simple. The first soft robotic devices were largely soft grippers. For example, in, in, in robotics, it's... Um, it's surprisingly complicated to pick up something soft like a raspberry or strawberry without damaging it. And there was this idea to, to, to use soft actuators that have simple inputs such as pressurized air and they just deform and they're soft and they're more or less um, without much external control, without much um, requirement for computation. They can rather easily pick up things like a, a raspberry or a strawberry. So this is kind of what, what started the field um, a couple of years ago. And it's now a, a really accelerating effort because people really see this um, wide potential, um, how soft robots can you like improve automation in factory halls, like food handling. It can um, help people that had strokes to kind of regain some bodily functions and all those things that we discussed earlier. So it's, it's really, I think, a, a starting effort. And um, in particular, what I've been focusing on is a key component of every um, robot is actuators. And there's really like um, it, almost all traditional robots that use either an electric motor, traditional rigid electric motor, um, um, based on electromagnetic mechanisms. And um, the first generation of soft robots, what they're using is, is um, more or less soft inflatable structures that you know, like um, change their shape based on uh, pressurized air input. There have been some efforts in designing electroactive polymers. Um, this is soft um, polymeric materials that deform in response to stimuli such as heat or voltage. And um, when, when I entered the field, I was really trying to um, come up with a new generation of actuators that is very closely mimicking the astonishing capabilities of biological muscle. If you think about muscle, it is used in, in a, a large range of different animals. It's used in a hummingbird, which can move the wings really fast. It's used in an elephant, so it can be scaled up to deliver really high forces. And it's also in some entirely soft organism, like an octopus arm, that it's extremely versatile, can wrap around objects, can squeeze through tiny holes. So if we could really design an actuator that is as versatile and adaptable as um, natural muscle, we could really design almost any type of robot for almost any type of use. And this was really my motivation to um, have this um, longer term effort to come up with something that very closely mimics the performance of muscle. And the astonishing thing about muscle is not really the best at one particular thing, like this is the strongest thing, it's the fastest thing, it's the most energy efficient thing, it can get the largest deformation. What muscle is good at, it can, it is pretty good at all those components. So it's like an all-rounder. It's also tightly integrated with sensing. It can self-heal after damage. So having this comprehensive package of astonishing capabilities, this is really the challenge from an engineering and science standpoint. And um, a, a few years ago, 
um, I came up with a new idea to kind of um, combine the versatility of those soft fluidic actuators that I mentioned before based on pressurized air and some ideas from the field of electroactive polymer to create a, a new technology that we call hazel artificial muscles. And hazel stands for hydraulically amplified self-healing electrostatic actuators. And they are based on both electrostatic and hydraulic principles. And what we have shown so far is that they can match or exceed the performance of muscle in all um, categories that I just mentioned. And that's, I think, the unique quality. They are pretty fast, they're, they're strong, um, they're energy efficient, and they're based on inexpensive and easily available materials. So there's really hope that we can try to relatively quickly move to the market with such actuators and enable robotic designers um, to, to use those actuators for a large variety of tasks. It could be used all the way from um, biomedical applications, um, helping people after strokes that I mentioned. It could be used for um, maybe humanoid robots, give them more lifelike properties, all the way to maybe animatronics to create new robot faces that are really like um, extremely biomimetic in the sense how to deform and able to um, convey subtle facial movements, like um, all the different emotions that the human body is capable of showing. Is it true that one of the muscle materials can actually be found at the grocery store? Um, it is indeed true. Um, the first generation of um, the actuators that we built in my lab, um, so like I mentioned before, they're based on hydraulic principles. So there is a dielectric oil inside those hazel actuators um, that's used for hydraulic amplification and also due to the um, dielectric properties, it has a very high uh, dielectric strength, which means it can tolerate large voltages before it breaks down. It's actually used in high voltage transformers and that, that's what gave me the idea. And then the first generation of um, muscles we built, they were based on canola oil from the local grocery store. And even the, the shell material that we're using um, is based on polypropylene. That's what would be used for housing potato chips. So all the materials it's based on can be made extremely inexpensive. So some of the actuators we make in terms of raw materials down the order of 10 cents. And that's not considering um, scale up of production. Where will we see the first applications of soft actuators? That, that's an excellent question. So we, we um, just founded a company a couple months ago to try to rapidly move this technology to the market. And um, soft actuators, artificial muscles, they have so many potential uses. And now you like the challenge as a young startup companies to find a good first application to um, thereupon then you like, grow the company and, and um, attack different fields of use, let's call it like that. And um, so our current task is, is trying to figure out what is a good beachhead market, so where can we go first, what is the first application. And we have interest from many different companies that are interested in um, potentially using our actuators. And it's our task now to really um, figure out what is, what is this initial product that you know, like is not too complicated to make. If you think about a prosthetic arm, that's a very, very complex piece of equipment. So as a startup company, right on focusing on such a complex piece of, um, of technology, you need a lot of you know, like engineering lead time, a lot of um, testing, approvals. So that, that's while that is probably one of the most exciting applications in the long run that might not be the first use from a commercial standpoint. We're also exploring like using animatronics, like I mentioned, for creating um, a new generation of um, robot faces that can more closely mimic what the, what the human um, body can do. We're also exploring um, food handling and automation, like I mentioned before, handling fragile um, types of fruit. Um, 
that, that could be another um, interesting aspect due to the fact that um, people in those industries, they want to get the human out of the loop, you know, like germs and again, cost saving. And um, it's at the moment really hard to handle fragile things like raspberries and um, strawberries. Dr. Christoph Keplinger, Assistant Professor of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Colorado in Boulder and co-founder and Chief Science Officer at Artemis Robotics. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about how uh, the future of your new business, how can they do that? Um, one, one easy way to, to reach me is over email. So first name, last name at Colorado Edu, Christoph.Keplinger at Colorado Edu. And then I can get you connected with either some of my co-founders from Artemis or some of my research team members um, from a research group at the university. Thanks again. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here on ZDNet or Tech Republic or go to TanyaHall.net. Thanks for watching.